Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card, right this way, it's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. The 2021 MLB season is here, and although the seats may not be full, your bankroll has the chance to be. Ray Hoops Peterson has you covered for every game, every day this season, along with comprehensive analysis and angles for getting to the window while celebrating the walk-off winners and blown saves of what will be a wild season. Now it is time for the Baseball Penny Podcast with Greg Peterson. A warm and friendly hello. Welcome to Lovely Las Vegas for the Baseball Betting Podcast. Myself, Greg Peterson. We've got a great podcast for you. It's in the second segment. Our good friend Sharky Waters Nation is going to be joining me. He does absolutely terrific work handicapping a little bit of everything. And you've heard him on this podcast quite a few times. Always does a nice job of taking a look at the MLB betting board. So we're going to be taking a look at all the games for Tuesday. And then in the final segment, going to give you guys a side in total on every single game on the betting board for this Tuesday. And a little something you like to call, touch them all. First things first, always love to be able to answer Twitter questions on this podcast. And we've got one or two ways we all fire those in. First one is my Twitter timeline at GUnit underscore D1. Keep in mind, letters ZM. Amy does not matter, so as per usual, please do send these into the timeline. Other ways, find an Apple Podcast review. If you rate this podcast five stars, it is very much appreciated. And then from there, you're able to fire whatever you'd like to hear on this podcast via that five star review. Did not wind up getting in any Twitter questions today, but had a great day of baseball on Monday. So let's take a look back at it. Try to find some trends and try to get to know these teams a little bit better. A game from yesterday is Greg buzzing about. Here is the rowdy recap. The St. Louis Cardinals just keep on winning as John Lester gets his 200th win and the St. Louis Cardinals have now won eight straight games. 5-2, to two, they take down the Brewers as Lester gives up two runs over the course of six innings. Both of those were via solo shots going deep for the Milwaukee Brewers. Luis Urias, his 21st home run of the season, and obviously El Garcia got his 28th home run of the season as Freddie Peralta. Starting to look a little bit better since coming off the injured list, but clearly still not himself. 
giving up three runs over the course of six innings, including home run to Nolan Arenado in the first inning, his 33rd home run season, and the Cardinals' bullpen has been able to really rebuild itself. Luis Garcia, TJ McFarlane, Cody Whitley all give you a scoreless inning, and then for the Milwaukee Brewers, you wind up having Under Strickland and Brent Suter both come out of the bullpen for an inning. They both give up a run, and then Miguel Sanchez winds up giving you a scoreless inning as the Brewers. They have been scuffling on offense a little bit recently, but the good news is William Adamas was able to make a start yesterday, so looks like he's getting back to his normal self. You wind up having the Kansas City Royals and the Cleveland Indians play a twin bill with both of these games going to the Royals. First game, wound up seeing the Royals get a 7-2 win over a hot pitcher, Mr. Tristan McKenzie, who got completely lit up in this one. He winds up giving up seven runs over the course of four and a third innings. And for Mr. McKenzie, this is a man that he had given up a grand total of nine runs over the course of his last seven starts, three runs or fewer in every one of them. So certainly a far cry from how he's pitched recently, giving up a trio of home runs from there. You wind up having John Carlos Mejia and Sam Entages give you a combined two and two-thirds inning scoreless, but going deep for the Royals. Salvador Perez is 46th home run of the season. That ties the league lead Andrew Benatendi, 16th home run of the season. Hunter Dozier, his 14th, and Brady Singer gives up two runs over the course of seven innings. Was able to complete the job with the team getting off to such a big lead. And then in game two, you wound up seeing a pair of bullpens go at it, and for the Kansas City Royals, they were able to have Joel Payampas Give them a relatively solid start, giving up one run over the course of two and a third innings as the Royals wound up taking this one by a count of 4-2 as taking him deep was Andres Jimenez, his fourth home run season, and then Bobby Bradley gets his 14th home run of the campaign. That comes off of Scott Barlow as Barlow gives up that run in an inning, but Domingo Tapia, one and two-thirds innings scoreless. Josh Jamont, Jake Brents, both give you a scoreless inning. And then for the Kansas City Royals, they did a solid job of being able to get to Nick Wickren, who wound up being the opener in this one, giving up two runs in two-thirds of an inning. From there, Francisco Perez, two and a third inning scoreless. You wind up having one and two-thirds innings out of Anthony Goss, who gives up a run. Justin Garza was able to give you an out of the bullpen, and then Brian Shaw gives up a run in an inning, and Emmanuel Classe winds giving you a scoreless inning. So certainly all hands on deck there, and the Royals were able to get it done. The Detroit Tigers get it done as well. They've got a winning record ever since the All-Star break, and they wind up getting a 4-3 to three win over a White Sox team that has now fallen to a record of 36-38 and 38 on the road. And for the White Sox, they wind up going 0-5 with men in scoring position. Mr. Carlos Rodan was pretty much an opener in this one, giving up three runs, two of which were earned over the course of three innings. As Cesar Hernandez wanted committing a fielding error that hurt him. Jose Ruiz, two scoreless settings from there. Garrett Crochet, Ryan Burr both give you a scoreless setting, but Craig Kimbrell gives up a run in the eighth that winds up costing them as the Detroit Tigers were able to get Matt Manning to give them five innings, giving up three runs, and then the bullpen went to work from there. Detroit Tigers bullpen, by the way, in the top eight with regards to ERA ever since the all-star break, Alex Lang, Ian Kroll, both give you a scoreless setting, and then you wind up getting two scoreless out of Drew Hutchinson for the Tigres to be able to get the job done. The Cincinnati Reds, yes, we are on to Cincinnati, and they were on to getting the job done against the Pittsburgh Pirates. 9-5 to the final, big for the Reds after they had lost two out of their last three to the Pittsburgh Pirates as the Pirates did get a pair of home runs in this one. Yoshi Satsugo and Brian Reynolds take Vladimir Gutierrez deep in the first setting for Reynolds' is 24th of the season, and for Satsugo, is 8th in 31 games for the Pirates after having none with both the LA Dodgers and the Tampa Bay Rays for Gutierrez. Chase after three and a third innings, giving up all five runs, including two of those homers. But from there, Michael Lorenzo, two scoreless innings. Lucas Sims, Michael Gibbons, a scoreless inning. And Luis Sessa, one and two-thirds innings, scoreless. And then for the Reds, pair of home runs from Joey Votto. His 32nd and 30. 
23rd home runs of the season. And Eugenio Suarez gets his 27th home run season. And then Kyle Farmer is 15th as this was not a good night for Dylan Peters as he gives up four runs over the course of three innings. And then from there, Cody Ponce gives up two solo home runs over the course of his two innings. Connor Overton gives you a scoreless inning. And then Kyle Keller gives up two runs in two-thirds of an inning. And Yel De Los Santos completes the final four outs, giving up a run in the process. So the Reds continue to help out their postseason hopes as they find themselves three games back of the St. Louis Cardinals for that second wild card spot. The Miami Marlins of the Washington Nationals are not going to be going to the postseason, but in 10 innings, the Miami Marlins got the job done against the Washington Nationals by a count of 8-7. to Lane Thomas, by the way, really lighting it up for the Washington Nationals. His sixth home run of the season, as he has ever since being traded from the St. Louis Cardinals, been hitting a little bit over a 300 for the Washington Nationals. So give a little bit of credit there, Eric Fetty-Wap. Not necessarily the start that he was looking for. He gives up four runs over the course of five innings, but two of these were unearned runs as Alcides Escobar and Lane Thomas both make fielding errors, and the Miami Marlins hit him up for a trio of home runs as Jazz Shizzle takes him deep twice, his 16th and 17th home runs of the season. And Asus Sanchez, his ninth home run in the last three days, his 13th overall this season. Asus Cesardo, another terrible start for the Miami Marlins. He's got an ERA hovering right around eight with Miami, giving up five runs over the course of four innings, including that home run to Lane Thomas. From there, the bullpen wasn't necessarily great, but they did enough. Zach Thompson gives up a run in an inning. Why he's coming out of the bullpen and not starting, I'm not sure. Zach Pop gives up one run in two innings, but then Richard Blyer and Anthony Bender combined for two scoreless innings, and Dylan Floro held Washington scoreless in the 10th. Meanwhile, for the Washington Nationals bullpen, you wind up having Patrick Murphy give up two runs and get just one out. Alberto Baladano was able to give you a scoreless inning along with Andres Machado and Tanarini Asimvato. He gives up a run in two-thirds of an inning, and then Sam Clay in the 10th inning gives up the unearned run that starts on second base, and for the Washington Nationals, 13 men left on base, so that was brutal. Speaking of brutal, the Philadelphia Phillies and the fact that they wound up really hurting their postseason hopes on Monday with a 2-0 loss to the Baltimore Orioles. Now, John Means is the best starter for the Baltimore Orioles at this point. Six and two-thirds inning scoreless, but still unacceptable by the Philadelphia Phillies to say the least as in the bullpen you wind up having Cole Solzer give you four outs and Tyler Wells was able to complete the ninth inning as for the Baltimore Orioles they go two of six with men in squaring position Ranger Suarez gives up two runs over the course of six innings he has been rock solid for this Philadelphia Phillies team a buck 60 ERA Sam Coonrod, Archie Bradley, Bailey Falter I'll give you scoreless innings but for the Phillies just four hits in this one when they really needed it they came up snake eyes the Texas Rangers also came up snake eyes as the New York Yankees are hoping to be able to get back into the wild card picture. They are now a half a game back of the Toronto Blue Jays who wound up losing yesterday. We're going to get into that in a second. 4-3 to three, the final. AJ Alexi not the start he was looking for, giving up four runs over the course of three and a third innings, including a home run that was belted out by Mr. Gary Sanchez, 22nd home run of the season. From there, the bullpen was relatively solid. Brett Martin, Jarrell Kahn, both give you five outs without giving up a run in the bullpen. Spencer Patton, one and a third inning scoreless, and Charlie Culverson was able to get his fifth home run of the season. That comes off of one. Nestor Cortez, who gives up three runs in four and a third innings, entered into this game with a sub-two ERA at Yankee Stadium, but then from there, Clay Holmes, Chad Green, both give you five outs out of the bullpen without giving up a run. Oraldis Chapman, a sign to behold at this point in which he wound up pitching a scoreless inning and got the save. He has been very shaky this summer, and Joey Rodriguez was able to give you an out of the bullpen, so 
The Yankees were able to get the job done. Speaking of being able to get the job done, the Seattle Mariners, who just continue to cling for dear life in the wildcard chase. They are now three games back of that second wildcard spot. The A's are two games back. Four to two, the Seattle Mariners get it done as they don't wind up getting any homers, but how about Tyler Anderson? One run given up in seven innings. Diego Castillo gives up a run in a third of an inning, but Paul Sewell gets the final five outs to be able to nab the save. And for the Oakland A's, Sean Manea continues to get bad starts. He winds up giving up four runs over the course of five innings. You take a look at Sean Manan. It has not been good for him recently as he has now allowed at least three runs in five out of his last eight starts. And then from there, the bullpen actually did a solid job as the A's bullpen entering into this one. Bottom five with regards to ERA in the last 30 days as Samuel, Deolius, Carrera both give you a scoreless setting. And then Domingo Acevedo was able to give you two scoreless settings, but nothing doing for this Oakland A's team on offense. Absolutely nothing doing for the LA Angels on offense, a team that has scored the second fewest runs per game of any team in the major leagues since the All-Star break and here in the month of September, averaging right around 3.1 runs per game. Completely get shut out by the Houston Astros by a count of 10 to 0 as Jaime Badia didn't necessarily have a terrible start. He did give up 10 hits, but only two runs surrendered, and he winds up giving up one of those by a home run over the course of five and a third innings as taking him deep was Mr. Jose Siri. Siri, tell me how many home runs he has so far this year. Four. That's my Siri voice. That's not necessarily good. And then from there, you wind up having a pair of home runs belted in the 8th and ninth innings. Martin Maldonado, his 11th home run season off of Andrew Watts. And then you wind up having the 5th home run of the season for Mr. Marwin Gonzalez as serving that one up was Mr. Jose Marte. And the Marte Parte did not have a good Parte as he winds up giving up 4 runs in his inning of work. And Andrew Watts gave up 4 runs in his inning of work. Jimmy Argot was able to give you a pair of outs out of the bullpen. Mike Myers winds up giving you a scoreless inning as well. But for Shohei Otani, uh, 0-4 performance ever since July 28th has been hitting below the Mendoza line for the Houston Astros. Framber Valdez was just mowing him down. He goes seven scoreless innings. From there, Brooks Raley was able to give you a scoreless inning. And you also got a scoreless inning out of Seth Martinez in what I believe is his MLB debut. So give him some credit. Give credit to the Tampa Bay Rays as well. They take down the Toronto Blue Jays, who now cling to dear life for that second wildcard spot, leading that by half a game. 6-4 to four the final. New York Post play of the day won down thanks to a pair of home runs late as I wound up having the under in this one as he wound up having Marcus Simeon get his 41st home run of the season. That comes off of David Robertson and then Shane Boz who is making his MLB debut. He gives up two hits in five innings. Unfortunately, both of those were solo home runs. Hey, Oscar Hernandez, 29th home run of the season. Lourdes Gurriel, his 20th, both off of Boz but still looked very good in this one as Robbie Ray takes a loss as the Cy Young hopeful did not have it in this one. Four and two-thirds innings. Gives up three runs, including a homer. Going deep for the Tampa Bay Rays would be Yandy Diaz, his 12th home run season. And then Joey Wendell winds up going deep off of Ryan Baruki a little bit later. His 11th of the campaign as Baruki got four outs but gave up that solo run. Taylor Sacido gives up an unearned run as you wind up having a Jake Lamb throwing air hurt them. Julie Merriweather gave you an out of the bullpen and Nate Pearson. Has looked really shaky. He winds up going two-thirds of an inning, giving up a run himself. Meanwhile, the Tampa Bay Rays bullpen did wind up having Mr. Robertson give up that home run, two runs in total without getting it out. But JT Chargua, along with Dedrick Ennis, combined for a scoreless setting. JP Fire Eisen gives you a scoreless setting. And Colin McHugh 
two scoreless innings. So the Tampa Bay Rays just continue to fire on all cylinders. They continue to hold the best record out there in the American League. And this game is pretty much final. We're heading to the bottom of the ninth as the Atlanta Braves are just absolutely destroying the Arabs and the Diamondbacks by a count of 11-4. With Scotty you know, not necessarily the world's greatest start, giving up three runs over the course of four innings, but Jacob Webb, Sean Newcomb, Chris Martin have all given you a scoreless inning. Main blemish was the fact that Richard Rodriguez gave up a solo home run to pinch hitter Jake McCarthy for his first career home run. So, a little bit of a shout out there, but Humberto Mejia got destroyed, giving up six runs over the course of four innings. From there, Taylor Widener, who began the season as a starter, is now coming out of the bullpen. As I've always talked about, Josh Towers on V-Sin. When you wind up having starters go to the bullpen, and bullpen guys go to the starters, typically it's not a good transition, and it's not going well for him, as Adam Duvall took him deep for his 37th home run of the season. And then Brett guys would allow a home run to Eddie Rosario, 13th home run of the season for guys Gives up three runs, two of which were earned to heighten his ERA to a 7.53. Sean Poppin was able to give you two scoreless innings, and for Widener, among the three runs he gave up, only one was earned, as the Marte Parte of Quitao Marte wound up making an error in this one, and for the Diamondbacks, now 102 losses for them, and you're taking a lot of losses right now if you've just been bending overs blindly over the last three days. Let's take a look at how that is going as we've seen 191 unders and 178 overs in Major League Baseball over the last three days. So that's nearly a 52% hit rate if you're looking at favorites. They've been drying up a little bit over the last 30 days. 224 and 165 home teams. 190 and 206. They've been winning at a rate of 58% the last three days, which is certainly strange. Home teams over the last seven days winning at a rate of more like 46.5%, 44 and 51. Meanwhile, favorites 53 and 40, so they're winning at a rate of about 57% in this time span. 43 overs and 42 unders, so relatively 50 50. And season to date, we've seen a couple more unders and overs 1,071 unders. 1,057 overs, so underrating at a rate of about 50.3%. According to our good friends that covers, favorites are winning at a rate of about 59.5%. 1,317 and 900 is the favorites so far this year. And home teams, 1,207 wins, 1,033 losses, so winning at a rate of about 53.9%. So that's what we wound up seeing in Major League Baseball on Monday, and that's what we're all seeing trend-wise. Now let's turn the page forward to Tuesday and take a look at these games with one of our good friends, Sharky Waters Nation. That chat is on the other side right here on the Baseball Betting Podcast with myself, Greg Peterson. Greg is calling in a pinch hitter from the Overtime Network Hotline. And we're back here in lovely Las Vegas for the Baseball Betting Podcast. Myself, Greg Peterson. It is always a pleasure to be joined with this guest as he does a terrific job handicapping a little bit of everything in the NFL, which I know that it was a very big bloodbath for a lot of people in the NFL, which is why I like to stick with baseball. So we've got that going on as we do have Sharky Waters Nation joining me on the podcast. You're able to follow him on Twitter at Sharks, the letter N, and then the word sports altogether and Sharky Waters Nation. Always a pleasure, my friend. Thank you. Well, thanks for having me, Greg. We're sitting here watching your Steam football team, as you said, it is NFL Monday. You love to handicap baseball for one particular reason. You get a large sample size. And capping the NFL is so condensed, so compressed into one game, it is incredibly hard to predict. But fortunately for us, we're capping baseball. It is almost postseason. We're discussing the card for September 21st. I can't wait to do it. And Greg, let's dive right into it. Absolutely. And we've got a great series coming up. Perhaps a little bit of a postseason preview between the Toronto Blue Jays and the Tampa Bay Rays. We wound up seeing Shane Boz make his debut for the Rays yesterday. He did wind up giving up a pair of solo homers, but looked very, very solid. And now you've got another guy on the bump for the Rays that looks very solid in his own right. 
That would be Mr. Drew Rasmussen. Rasmussen wound up coming over in that trade for William Thomas with the Milwaukee Brewers. And he has given up one earned run or fewer in each out of his last six stars. Guy has been a rock, giving up two home runs and 49 innings so far this year. He's going up against another young rookie in Alec Manoa. And Manoa, what? He has been very good, having a 339 ERA. He's given up 11 homers in the course of 93 innings. Not sure about you, but I think that this is one of the better matchups on the board. And I've been riding Rasmussen a lot recently, and I've personally had a lot of success betting on the race whenever he's taking the bump. Yeah, I completely agree. And I was looking at this. I was looking at the line, Tampa Bay 115. Not really giving me a whole lot of transparency there. Obviously, Tampa Bay 92 and 58 at a plus 172. We've been talking about this all year. Toronto had this incredible run differential for months and just could never seem to get any wind in their actual win-loss percentage. But they finally have. They have been smoking hot for over a month. You know who's been smoking hot is Alec Manoa, particularly at home against Tampa Bay. 15 innings pitched consecutively at home, 20 Ks and only, excuse me, not only, zero earned runs against. So you go to the other side of this. You get Drew Rasmussen, as you said, came over the Adamas trade. Shout out to Adamas, obviously, balling for your Milwaukee Brewers. But he has been very, very above average. And I think if you look at Manoa's home away splits, a trend we talk about with all pitchers when I come on the podcast, he has been far worse on the road. I do have a lean here to uh, Tampa Bay at minus 115 on Tuesday at 7, 10 p.m. in the trap. Absolutely. We are on the same page here. A pair of guys that have been very solid. But I do take a look at the Tampa Bay Rays in this spot. And this one and the New York Mets desperately need wins and they need wins in a hurry to have any hope of making the postseason. Meanwhile, the Boston Red Sox, they're in a little bit of a better situation, but they certainly need wins as well. They've got Eduardo Rodriguez taking the mound for them. Meanwhile, Marcus Stroman has taken the bump for the Mets and Marcus Stroman has just been unlucky this year. He's got a sub three ERA and a nine and 12 record. That just doesn't happen very often. Got a guy in Eduardo Rodriguez who's got north of a five ERA and a winning record. So go figure there. Right now we're seeing the Mets as between about a plus 130 to even as high as a plus 145 underdog. I recognize that the Mets have been very rocky. We know the history of the Mets, but you're giving me a plus 145 on the Mets in this spot. I'm going to take it. Yeah, I'm in agreement yet again. I looked at Marcus Stroman, and we know Marcus Stroman off the field is very outspoken, very articulate, very intelligent. I believe he grew up in Long Island. A very well-educated guy, very outspoken in a lot of different ways. But that does translate to on-field quality. And I take you back to a few starts, particularly one at the Yankees, obviously within the same division, the Red Sox and Yankees, very similarly weighted in this campaign as well. He pitched very well. The Mets did get the win and I believe, a seven-inning game a couple months ago. And as you mentioned, Eduardo Rodriguez has gotten away with murder for most of the year. He has been far worse at Fenway Park. Slightly better on the road for different reasons. Obviously, Nick Pavetta has very similar splits. I think it obviously has to do with the dimensions of the parks, maybe some air and some pitch frequencies. But I would lean the Mets here, too. I think Marcus Stroman will continue to be good. I think he'll focus very well in this environment. I think Eddie actually coming in here off of three pretty solid starts consecutively the last three is due to implode back in Fenway where he has imploded time and time again this year. I agree with you. I do think that Mr. Rodriguez with his north of six home ERA, it is going to nip him in the tuchus eventually. I think that the Mets have just enough to be able to get the job done. A man with more than enough to be able to get the job done, that'd be you, Sharky Watersation, and he is joining me right now on the Baseball Betting Podcast, and when it comes to this game out there at Coors, I think it's a fascinating one, as you've got Antonio Sensatella going for the Colorado Rockies 
Julio Arias going for the LA Dodgers. And for Arias, he leads the league with 18 wins and 12 of them have come on the road. He has been superb there. But speaking of superb, Antonio Sensatella, you take a look at his last six starts. Three runs or fewer given up in pretty much all of them. He has figured it out on the road. All year long, he's been relatively consistent at home. Now, going up against the LA Dodgers, a team that has had his number a little bit aside from really his last start in Dodger Stadium. That is a little bit of something, but I take a look at this total of 11, and as we know, the ball flies out in Coors, but now things are a little bit cooler in there now that it's mid-September, and I'm taking a look at an under in this spot. I don't know what way you wind up leaning in this one, but I certainly do think that we're going to have a pair of guys instead of Zatella and Orias who wind up giving good starts. I wasn't specifically honed in on any sort of official take here, but I did find it interesting, as you noted, Julio Arias, I believe, with the best win-loss percentage in the National League. You go back months ago, he did have a rather pedestrian outing for his quality with four earned runs against in Coors. He had also had a prior start back then at San Diego. I, th- I believe it was back-to-back a road in the division starts where he was not very good. That was the last time he's given up anything north of three earned runs in a game. The guy has been absolutely lights out. Same thing with Antonio Sensatella coming in here. Early, early season back in April, he did get rocked by the Dodgers at home. And then he went on the road recently with a very nice outing. I believe seven innings pitched, two earned runs. I think you're going to see a lower scoring game as well. Kind of hard for me to pick a win-loss here. I think the game is a flip. Obviously, Colorado at home, very, very good. And the Dodgers, obviously a class organization. I agree with you. And with the Dodgers, it's been so fascinating. It's in the last 30 games that they play seven overs. So they have been a very good team to the under end. A team that has been relatively solid to the over and a team that you've wanted to fade recently is the Chicago White Sox. Whenever Dallas Keiko winds up taking the bump, he is going to be going on the road against the Detroit Tigers who throw out their Tyler Alexander. And I recognize that Alexander isn't necessarily the Mona Lisa veto of pitching, but at the same time, he's been able to do a relatively solid job. And finding the White Sox is between minus 160 and minus 165 favorites on the road. Not a spot that I want with the team being 2-8 and eight in Keiko's last 10 starts. I couldn't agree more. I go back through this as we discuss every single time I come on here, and I, I will repeat it yet again. These pitchers this year in particular have uncanny home away splits. Dallas Keigel has been terrible on the road. And you go back a little earlier this year, he did pitch at Comerica and gave up seven earned runs in less than four innings. And he has not bounced back really in any format. This seems to be just who he is. As you mentioned, Tyler Alexander, fairly pedestrian, uh, not standout in any way. Usually hovers around three to four innings pitch, couple earned runs here in and out. I think you're going to see runs in this game. And I think you've seen a lot of runs, obviously, with the White Sox this year. Detroit's lineup at home functions very well. They are 39 and 36 on the campaign at home. Only six under. I think there's a lot of upside next year. I would lean an over in this game. And I would not talk anybody off of taking the Tigers here either. Don't disagree with you there, as I do think that we're going to have a good performance here from the Tigers, who actually have been above 500 ever since the All-Star break as well. So they've been playing some of their best baseball towards back half of the season. Another team that is heating up, that'd be the St. Louis Cardinals. They had the road to face off against the Milwaukee Brewers, and they send out there the Woodford, Jake Woodford. And we do have an initial line on this game, as a lot of books did not wind up posting this overnight because he had a little bit of a switcheroo with Woodford and John Lester. But right now at Circa, finding the Brewers at minus 210 with Brandon Woodruff taking the mound. Certainly a little bit chalky if you're looking at a money line. This is, in my opinion, either a take on the St. Louis Cardinals at about a plus 190 or a take on the Brewers on a run line at more around even money just because I just don't think that it's really feasible 
to be laying $2 in the spot. And for Brandon Woodruff, he has been amazing at home. And the Brewers, though their road record is better than their home record, pitching just wherever it's been has been incredible. I wouldn't disagree with you there. We talk about this all the time, but laying one and a half is a totally different environment for people that are a little more novice to MLB capping. Obviously, when it's two to one on the money line, the percentage to win is 66.5%. But when you look at the run line, it comes down to pick. It's 50%. They're not really giving you any edge there. They're telling you you're coin flipping and you're trying to find the environment. We talk about all the pitcher, pitchers' names. Jake Woodford versus Brandon Woodruff. I love it. But Woodruff coming home here. Uh, he did have a poor outing at St. Louis this year, and he did ace them at home. I believe he will pitch very well here. He also didn't pitch particularly well in his previous two starts coming into tomorrow's outing. Three or four earned runs against him, both of them, I believe. The last time he had back-to-back starts of three earned runs or more, he did come home in the next start against San Francisco, obviously the class of the San Francisco Giants, and did pitch very well. One earned run for six innings. The Brewers did lose that game, but that was on the bullpen. Uh, I would lean here towards an under, actually, because I think Woodruff will pitch very well, and I think Woodford will be middle ground to pedestrian. I think it will hover around eight or under. And with the Cardinals and Woodford's last two starts against the Dodgers and the Mets, pair of wins, so he's actually been able to come through for them in the St. Louis Cardinals, looking to be able to perhaps sure up that second wild card spot as well. So going to be very interesting to watch that down the stretch as we do have Sharky Waters Nation joining me on the podcast and this is pretty much a loser-leave-town sort of series between the Seattle Mariners and the Oakland A's. As you've got Paul Blackburn taking the bump for the Oakland A's. Not necessarily a guy that I have a lot of faith in. Meanwhile, you've got Marco Gonzalez on the bump for the Seattle Mariners. Now, with Gonzalez, he certainly does give up the deep ball. Someone that's giving up right around 1.9-ish home runs for nine innings. But I take a look at Paul Blackburn, and he's just a guy that I want absolutely no part of. A total on this game of eight and a half which is interesting because you've got a Mariners team in which they've been actually pounding out the deep ball a little bit, but at the same time, you've really got one of the worst batting averages that we've ever seen from a playoff contending team. So got a whole lot going on in this game. Yeah, I agree. And actually, if you go back to August 23rd, these two pitchers did square off against each other in the Oakland Coliseum. And in that particular game, Oakland was a minus 140 favorite. And I always talk about it in terms of the lines within the same exact matchup. When a guy is laying 140 and the next line comes in the following month later at 120, they're suggesting upward movement for Seattle. Seattle did win that game, but Seattle did backdoor that game. Paul Blackburn gave up two earned runs in the first five innings, I believe. He kind of flirted with disaster. He had runners on base, but he got away with it. Marco Gonzalez has been solid against Oakland all year. Three starts, two quality starts. The non quality start was four innings pitched six k's one earn he obviously did high pitch count there but he is very solid against this lineup i would lean mariners here and i think the mariners will continue to come up and this is a loose point going back to the milwaukee side obviously st louis having won eight in a row oakland has won five in a row those are the two hottest teams in baseball right now outside of the red sox as well i think they're due to come down a little bit in the small window i would lean mariners here I don't disagree with you there, as I'm going to be taking a look at the Seattle Mariners myself. And I know you were talking about names a little bit earlier. It's unfortunate that we don't have a line in the other AL West game, as you've got Jose Urquidy going for the Houston Astros and our man, Packy Naughton, going for the LA Angels. I can tell you right now, setting the Angels, that's a relatively sizable underdog in that spot. I think we both agree, rightfully so, as we do have Sharky Waters Nation joining me on the podcast. And my friend, 
Is there anything else that you're going to be taking a look at for this Tuesday? Because we got a full slate of baseball. We talked about quite a few of the games that do have postseason implications. Anything else that's really jumping out to you? In terms of the capping, we could go into every game. We could go into immense detail, but we keep it to a real fast, hot 15 minutes here, and we love to do it. I'd like to give a shout-out to the Yankees for being the most underachieving squad in the recent history. I'm a huge fan, and it is just unbelievable to watch on a daily basis. Of course, they're playing the Texas Rangers, the very, very below average 22-52 and 52 on the road Texas Rangers. Every game is a sweat with this team, and as a fan, it's really disagreeable to watch. I know Greg is having a campaign for his generational lifetime here watching this beautiful Brewers team this year. I can't say as a Yankee fan I'm at any sort of that wavelength. It's been painful to watch. And, you know, one small point before we close out. I got to say, as a sport, the sport is profiting from the Yankees' futility to a degree because the Yankees, Blue Jays, Red Sox are all within a couple games of each other. This is entertainment at its finest. I love to watch it. I grew up a fan. I love to cap it professionally just like Greg. But this is great entertainment closing out the regular season, Greg. And imagine if we wind up getting Red Sox versus Yankees in a winner-take-all wild card to be able to make the postseason. I think the MLB would like the ratings of that game. I'm not necessarily the biggest TV ratings guy on the face of planet Earth, but I have to think that that would draw very well, just like this podcast draws very well whenever we've got Cherokee Waters Nation on. I don't know how and I don't know why, but every time we get you on, for one, a lot of people make a lot of money, and for two, I wind up getting a lot of downloads. So it works out very well for all of us, and I know that you do a great job with a wide variety of things. I know you've jumped into all forms of football. When it comes to the NBA and college basketball season, you do a great job of being able to hold it down there, and you obviously do a great job day in and day out when it comes to the MLB betting board as well. So love the good people at home. Know they're able to follow you on social media and just everything that you've got going on in general. Absolutely. As we come into the fall, as we've said numerous times, we're coming out of the summer, which is a bit of a lackluster environment. we got college football Saturdays. I do a show every Friday night on Twitter, Sharks and Sports, letter N between the two words, Sharks and Sports. Nine words of lifestyle, ride the way we get out of the water. I also do NFL football. We host a GPO lock, Capper Collective NFL competition on Sundays with our top four plays. NBA shows will start with J Money is Money, October 19th. And college basketball starts, I believe, in 60 to 70 days. I will definitely be on the podcast with a legend in the making, the pros pro, Greg Peterson. I can't wait to get out there with you and talk some college basketball. Thanks for having me, Greg, and let's get back on here soon. Absolutely. One thing I do need to clean up, though, seven weeks from today, we will have college basketball action, so approximately 49 days away, but who's counting, you know? With that said, Turkey Water Station does a great job bringing it in a wide variety of different areas, covering all sorts of sports, and always does a great job on this podcast as well. So big thanks to our good friend Turkey Water Station for joining me right here on the Baseball Betting Podcast, and coming up next, it is that time the podcast to give you a sign total on every game on the betting board for this Tuesday and a little something you like to call Touch Em All. Welcome back to the Baseball Betting Podcast with Greg Peterson as we're off to a quality start and now it's time to walk it off in a grand fashion. And we're back here at Lovey Las Vegas for the Baseball Betting Podcast. Myself, Greg Peterson. Always a pleasure to have Sharky Waters Nation join the podcast. He does an absolutely terrific job of just taking a look at baseball in general, handicapping a little bit of everything, and whenever he joins this podcast, he always brings it. So, big thanks to him. Now it is that time of the podcast to give you a signed total on every game on the betting board for this Tuesday. And a little something like call... 
touch them all. If a game is listed on the betting board, Greg has a side and a total on it, so it is time to touch them all. Do note that as per usual, we are going to be going in Las Vegas rotation order. This is where we go National League games first, then the American League games and any interleague games are going to be at the bottom, so we're going to get things squared away with that, and any changes that are made are also going to be made on the spreadsheet as well, so let's dive in. First game up, we've got 951-952 on the betting board as the Pittsburgh Pirates walk the plank to Cincinnati as we are on to Cincinnati to look at the Reds and also the Pittsburgh Pirates. Mitch Thunderkeller is going to be going for the Pittsburgh Pirates. Meanwhile, Tyler Molly is going to be on the bump for the Reds, and the Reds are finding themselves as sizable favorites in this spot of anywhere between a minus 181 and a minus 195. Meanwhile, your plus price with Pittsburgh, you're going to be getting anywhere between plus 165 and plus 179 is your total over and under anywhere between minus 105 and minus 115. And for Mall, he certainly has had his hiccups when it comes to being able to pitch at home so far this year, and he's got some of the most demonstrative home and road splits that we're going to find in baseball, and it's the opposite of what you'd expect, because at home so far this year, 609 ERA on the road, a buck 85 ERA at home. He's given up 18 home runs in 68 innings on the road, five bombs given up in 97 and third innings, and opponents throwing a buck 92 off of him, away from Cincinnati, 276 off of him at home, and then you take a look at Mitch Keller, and this is a man that, away from home, is significantly better than at home. 776 home ERA, 360 road ERA on the road and at home has given up five home runs in both locations in fewer innings on the road, but on the road is allowing opponents at a 269 off of them compared to a 341 at home. So you've got very interesting splits there. Now with these Cincinnati Reds, you certainly do have a lineup in which they are ailing a little bit as Jesse Winker, Long Taylor, Naquin have been dealing with a little bit of injury, but You've also got a trio in Nick Casianos, Joey Vato, and Enio Junio Suarez, who have all given you at least 26 home runs so far this year. Vato, I believe, still leads the National League in home runs ever since the All-Star break. Might have been taken over by Bryce Harper, but certainly has been able to do a great job as Cassianos, Mr. Vato, you're able to throw in there Jonathan India. All between a 360 and a 375 on base, Kyle Farmer has been able to ride around a 255, but the injuries have caused for the teams to throw out there, guys like Jose Barrero, along with Delano DeShields Jr., who are necessarily doing a great job with the bat, R.E.C. De Sakino as well. And then you take a look at the Pittsburgh Pirates, and Ryan Reynolds has been able to do a good job for the team, hitting a 300. He's been able to slug out north of 20 home runs. Yoshi Satsugo, since Coming over to the Pirates, he has been relatively solid as well. He's got all seven of his home runs so far this year in the 30 games that he's played with the Buccos, hitting nearly a 300, so that's a good side. But then you take a look at Michael Perez, Hoy Park, Kevin Newman, Kai Tom, Cole Tucker, all these guys. They're going to get 225 or lower. Now you have Wilmer Default and Colin Moran both hitting right around 270. Ben Gamble, Cabrian Ace both hitting in the neighborhood of about a 250. But you take a look at both of these bullpens and they're rough. And the reason why the Pirates bullpen is rough is because David Bernard is dealing with a little bit of an injury. You've been without Kyle Kirk for quite a while, so that means that you've got guys like Shelby Miller, Luis Oviedo, Cody Ponce coming out of the bullpen. And then for the Reds, it certainly has been rough for them as well because you've got Michael Givens giving you a couple good innings. Willie Sessa has been up and down, and you've got Justin Wilson has been able to do a relatively solid job recently, but it's not had the best of years. Lucas Sims has not been able to give you a whole heck of a lot, but I did think that even though we do have some strange splits, I think that's going to be tough for the Pirates to necessarily generate a lot of offense. And when I take a look at Tyler Molly, I do think that he's going to be backed up by an offense that is going to be able to supply with him some runs. So, good old something's got to give situation. Wound up saying the Reds is right around a minus 195 favorite. If you're looking at the run line, you're going to be finding that anywhere between an even money and plus 105 on the Reds was well in the layup price. So, we're going to be going with that Reds run line. Also set this a little bit north of 9.5. So, over and the Reds run line, the play. 953, 950 
54 on the betting board. You've got the Washington Nationals, and they hit the road to face off against the Miami Marlins. Battle over Rogers, as Josh Rogers is going to be going for the Nets. Meanwhile, Trevor Rogers is going to be on the bump for the Fish. The Fish are finding themselves as a favorite at circa of minus 151 plus 138 on the Nationals. They are currently the only place that has a number up on this game, and your total is 8 over and under, or both at minus 110. When it comes to the circa number, I would be taking a look at the Fish, and I would be taking a look at an over, set this all at an 8.2, and you take a look at Trevor Rogers overall for the year. He has been able to do a solid job now. He's only made a couple starts since coming off the injured list, but by and large, 271 ERA so far this season. He has made... Three starts ever since coming off the injured list, giving up a grand total of seven runs over the course of 12 and two-thirds innings. So, hasn't necessarily been his normal self, but has only given up one home run over his last five starts overall. And he's been able to lessen the walks as well, giving up a grand total of four walks in his three starts since coming off the injured list. And at home so far this year, he's actually been a little bit worse than on the road. 288, home ERA, 260, road ERA, but has given up just two home runs at 50 innings in Miami. And then you dig a look at Josh Rogers, and he's had a couple good starts here for the Washington Nationals, giving up three runs or fewer in all three of them going five plus innings in every one of them. A grand total of five blocks surrendered in 17 and a third innings, but you take a look at what he's done in previous years, and I think that regression is going to be setting in as he wound up having an ERA north of eight during the 2018 and 19 seasons with the Baltimore Orioles. And then you take a look at the Sanchez bullpen, and you certainly don't have a lot of guys that are necessarily too reliable for the team. Andres Machado has been able to give you a little bit of something. You've got Kyle Finnegan, who's got a sub three ERA, and Wander I swear, oh, this guy sucks, it appears, is currently on the injured list. So that's actually an upgrade for them. And then you take a look at the lineup. Lane Thomas, ever since coming over, he has actually been very good for this team. He had a home run yesterday. He's hitting above a with the Nationals. You've got LCD's Escobar sitting about at 285. Ryan Zimmerman, Josh Bell, pair of guys in between about a 245 to a 260. And then with Mr. Bell and Juan Soto. How about both of these guys? Between 26 and 28 home runs and for Soto a 460 on base. And the Knights are hoping that their young guys wind up developing a little bit as well. Carter Keyboom along Keyboom Ruiz and Luis Garcia only right around between about a 213 to a 230 and then for the Miami Marlins. Jesus Aguiar has been able to supply all season long for the team, but got a couple injuries. Now, the good news is Jesus Sanchez now has nine home runs over the last 30 days for the team. He has been very solid, hitting nearly a 250 for this bunch, but then you've got quite a few guys hitting a 200 or lower. You've got Peyton Henry along with Eddie Alvarez. You're able to throw in there Izan Diaz, Lewin Diaz, list goes on and on of guys. They need to be able to pick it up as they're hitting a 215 or lower, but Jazz Shislam, he's hitting about a 250, 16 home runs so far this here, Brian De La Cruz is sitting at 325, and this is a relatively steady Miami Marlins bullpen at zone. Flora's been very good for the team. Anthony Bender, Anthony Bass, both of these guys have come through with really solid ERAs, and then Steve Kurt has an ERA hovering right around 215 as well. So I do take a look at this spot, and I was willing to take up to about a minus 165 with the Miami Marlins. If you're looking at the run line at Circa, it's a plus 131. I would certainly be looking at that. Like I said, on an 8, I'd be taking a look at the over. At an 8.5, it would be more of a look on the under. And like I said, only place that currently has this up is Circa. But currently looking at a Miami Marlins run line to go along with an over. This one is also only being offered at Circa right now. As we've got 9.55, 9.56 on the betting board. The Woodford, Jake Woodford, is going to be going for the St. Louis Cardinals as they hit the road to face off against the Milwaukee Brewers who throw out their Brandon Woodruff. And the Brewers, minus 210 favorites, plus 190 on the St. Louis Cardinals. And 7.5 is your total over and under, both at minus 110. If you wind up giving me this, I'd be looking at the Brewers as right around a minus $2 favorite on the money line 
Currently, the run line that Circa is offering is a minus 104 on the burst. Was well in the lay up to a minus 113, so I'd be looking there. I set this whole at 8.3, so we'll be looking at an over as well. When it comes to Brandon Woodruff, he has seen his performance dry up a little bit recently, but a drying up of performance for Mr. Woodruff is still better than what most MLB pitchers have been able to throw out there this year as he's given up a combined gasp. Seven runs over his last two starts in 12 total innings after he wound up during the month of August posting up a 277 ERA. Has been giving up the deep ball a little bit more. He's given up seven home runs over the course of his last seven starts, but you take a look at the way that he's been dealing in Milwaukee so far this year, and it has been very solid. 237 home ERA. He's given up nine home runs in 79 and two-thirds innings. Opponents are at 229 off of him, so it's been good there. His walks per nine is right around a 1.5, and then you take a look at Mr. Woodford, and on the road, he's actually been better than at home. 402 Rodeo Ray compared to a 471 at home, giving up four home runs in 31 and a third innings away from home, and opponents are at 254 off of him. And really, ever since he's gotten a little bit more of an opportunity, he's been relatively solid. In his long relief appearance against the Brewers and his last two starts, he's given up a combined three runs over the course of 13 and a third innings. And in both of his starts against the Dodgers and the Mets, the teams were able to get a win. And then you take a look at this Cardinals team, and you have been able to get a little bit more offense out of them recently, as they've been able to kick it up with all these guys. In between, I would say about a 252 to even as high as a 275 in the case of Omando Sosa. Yadier Molina, Dylan Carlson, Nolan Arenado, Tommy Edmond all find themselves in that fold for Mr. Arenado. 32 home runs and nearly 100 RBI. Paul Goldschmidt ever since the beginning of the month of July. He's been able to hit right around a 325. He's been able to hit right around 15 homers in that time span. Tyler O'Neill. He's been able to slug out 28 bombs. He's hitting a 285. Then you take a look at the Milwaukee Brewers and Willie Adamas returned to the fold yesterday along with Avisail Garcia with Mr. Avisail Garcia along with Luis Urias, Eduardo Escobar, all these guys between 21 and 28 home runs with Urias along with Eduardo Escobar. Both of these guys are in the pocket of between about a 250 to a 260 and then Garcia more around a 270 along with Willie Adamas who for the year is hitting about a 265 but you take a look at him in a Brewers uniform hitting more like a 295. He has been absolutely terrific for this bunch. You've also got Colton Wong hitting nearly a 280 and for the Milwaukee Brewers, I really do like this bullpen. You've been able to get some great innings out of Jake Cousins. Hunter Strickland has been able to perform well for the team. Red Boxberger has been a little bit shaky, but then you've got Devin Williams along Josh Hader. And then for the St. Louis Cardinals, Alex Reyes seems to be putting the pieces back together. Luis Garcia has actually been very good for the team. He's now got like a 270 or a TJ McFarlane. It's been a little bit shaky recently, but by and large, he's been able to do a relatively solid job. But in this spot, with the circuit numbers, I am going to be taking a look at the Brewers' run line. And like I said, pretty much as long as I'm getting an 8 or lower. I'm going to be taking a look at the over. So, looking over along with the crew. 9.57, 9.58 on the betting board. The Colorado Rockies are going to be playing us the LA Dodgers. One Julio Arias is going to be going for the Dodgers. Meanwhile, Antonio Sensatella is going to be going for the Rockies. The Rockies are finding themselves as underdogs of anywhere between plus 175 and a plus 181. Meanwhile, if you're looking at the Dodgers, it is anywhere between minus 186 and minus 210 with 11 being your total. Unders anywhere between minus 105 minus 120. The overs anywhere between even and minus 115. And if you're taking a look at the run line of the Dodgers, you're going to be finding that anywhere between a minus 132 to a minus 135. I was only willing to take this up to about a minus 122, so that's not enough for me. And if I was willing to get up to a plus 175, I was willing to take the Colorado Rockies. So that's where I'm going to be looking because with Antonio Sensatella, he's been very good at home so far this year. Has been able to do a better job on the road and by and large, is just doing a good job of pitching in general. You take a look at this gentleman and really ever since the beginning of the month of July, his 
His ERA has been hovering right around about a 3-3-3-2-ish. So he's come out. He's been able to perform very well. Ever since the beginning of the month of August, he's allowed just three home runs in his last eight starts. So that has been very good as well. You just take a look at him, and the team is winning whenever he takes them out. And the Colorado Rockies have won each out of his last four starts and five out of his last six overall. And he's been able to do a little bit of a better job at home with a 389 ERA at home compared to a 427 on the road. And opponents are about a 270 off of him, but he doesn't walk anyone. 13 walks and 78 and two-thirds innings. Meanwhile, you take a look at Mr. ODS, and he's been able to do his best work on the road. Out of his 18 wins, 12 of them have come on the road. 264 road ERA, 342 home ERA. He's given up 10 home runs in 92 innings on the road, and opponents are just a 213 off of him, so that has been very nice. And for the Dodgers, I just do have a couple question marks when it comes to this bullpen because you've had the scene be the second best bullpen in the big leagues pretty much all year, but you do have some question marks with guys like Alex Vizia, Justin Brewell, Phil Bickford, some of those guys, so you do know that Corey Knable's relatively reliable. And then when it comes to the Dodgers, this is a team that they do have a lot of fearsome power. Max Muncy, 34 home runs so far this year, and really all these guys have at least 20 home runs, and all these guys are hitting at least a 258. as you've got Will Smith, Justin Turner down for what, Trey Turner down for what, Mookie Betts, Chris Taylor, all between about 20 to 25 home runs. You've been dealing with a little bit of an injury to A.J. Pollock, but he's been solid. Corey Seager has been able to about a 285. Then you take a look at the Colorado Rockies, and this is a bunch at one there at home. They are at their best. They've got the third best home win percentage when it comes to National League teams, and this is a bunch that, as a collective, when they're at home, they've got the best batting average in the league at a 281. They've been able to do a good job of having quite a few guys go yard as well. This is just home games. C.J. Crone, 18 home runs. He's hitting at 315 at Coors Field. At Coors Field, Trevor Story hitting like a 295 with 10 home runs. Meanwhile, on the road, that winds up sinking to right around the Mendoza line. Garrett Hampson is hitting a 300 at home. And for the Colorado Rockies, we've had a lot of guys perform very well out of the bullpen when it comes to being on the road as well. Daniel Bart has been a completely different pitcher at home versus on the road because on the road, his ERA is hovering right around an 8-ish Meanwhile, at home, he's got an ERA that hovers more around a 3-3. You've had Jordan Sheffield give you a 2-4 ERA at home. Lucas Gilbreth at 2.55. So, I do take a look at this Rockies bunch, and there is something in the air that has this team performing better in Colorado. I'm willing to take the plus price with the Colorado Rockies, and with this total set it at a 10.3. So, going under along with the Rockies. 959-960 on the bang board. The Atlanta Braves are going to be in the road to face off against the Arizona Diamondbacks. Luke Weaver is going to be going for the D-backs. Good old to be determined is going to be going for the Atlanta Braves. We'll see Tuki Toussaint a little bit earlier, but right now this is a game that is off the board. If it would be Toussaint versus Luke Weaver, I'd be probably setting the Arizona Diamondbacks as in the neighborhood of about a plus 140-ish underdog, but certainly would be subject to a little bit of change there because this is an Arizona Diamondbacks team that I think they would be able to get to Tuki Toussaint, but at the same time, you've got an Arizona Diamondbacks team that got a lot of guys with between 11 and 12 home runs. Promise. You don't have anyone with more than 12 home runs on this team as Jose Roas, Quintel Marte of the Marte Parte, Dalton Varsho, Carson Kelly, Paven Smith, all these guys between 11 and 12 home runs, and you got a lot of these guys that doing an okay job will be able to hit for you, as you've got David Peralta, Jose Roas, along with Paven Smith, only between about a 262 and 270, but just need a little bit more of the same. Quintel Marte, I will say, hitting a 320, and then you take a look at the Atlanta Braves, and you've got a whole bunch of guys with at least 23 home runs in this lineup. Ode Solaire, Freddie Freeman, Ozzy Albies, Austin Riley, Adam DeVault, Dansby Swanson. With Swanson along with Ozzy Albies, in between about a 252 and 255, Riley and Freeman, both hitting in the neighborhood of about a 300, so they've been absolutely spectacular. And then you've got an Atlanta Braves bullpen that ever since the 
all-star break has been in the top seven with regards to ERA. Tyler Madzik, ever since the beginning of the month of July, right around a two ERA. Drew Smiley is someone that they're now using out of the bullpen. Jacob Webb has actually been very good for the team along Luke Jackson. Then you've got an Arizona Diamondbacks bullpen that, well, they stink. Let's call it what it is. Tyler Flippert is anxious at age 38, and he might be their best reliever. Joe Manai Tipley has a sub-4 ERA that is considered very good for the team. Noe Ramirez, Sean Pop, and these guys have ERAs that are not necessarily great. Noe Ramirez has actually been okay. I'll give him a little bit of something, but then you also take a look at Luke Weaver, and inconsistency has been tough for him. Now, I will say this. He has made three starts ever since coming off the injured list, and that stint wound up lasting from mid-May until early September, and He's given up three earned runs or fewer in every one of them, but at the same time, this is a man that so far this year has given up right around 1.3 home runs per nine innings. Command has not necessarily been bad, but you can tell that the swing and miss stuff that he typically has is he's got a strikeouts per nine rate of right around a 9.2 for his career. It's not there. It's more around an eight so far this year, so that's been a little bit of an issue. So in this spot, if it winds up being something like Tukey Toussaint versus Luke Weaver, we'll probably be setting the Arizona Diamondbacks right around about a plus 140, maybe a plus 145-ish underdog, and this would be a spot in which a nine and a half or lower IBT taking a look at the over, a 10 or higher, I'd be taking a look at the under, but obviously, we need to know the Atlanta Braves' plan of attack before giving you anything set in stone. 961-962 on the bang board, the San Francisco Giants, a throw to face off against the Salam Diego Padres. Kevin Gosman is going to be going for the Giants. Right now, ESPN says that Joe Musgrove is going to be making the start. Betting board says to be determined, so we've got no numbers up on this game. I do have numbers as if it would be Mr. Musgrove along with Kevin Gosman going at it, and in this spot, I'd be setting the Giants at minus 133 with a total of a 7 8, so 7.5 or lower. We'd be taking a look at the over in 8 or higher to the under. Now, I am a little bit souring on Kevin Gosman as of right now because you take a look at him ever since the beginning of the month of July. He's got an ERA that it's in the neighborhood about a 4.5. He hasn't necessarily been terrific in the last 30 days. A 4.41 ERA in his last 6 starts. He has not necessarily given up the deep ball or anything like that. 4 home runs and 4 walks. Give it up across 32 and 2 thirds innings, but bonus earning at 276 off of him, so it seems like they're starting to figure him out a little bit more, though I will say. Kevin Gosman has been able to do by far his best work on the road. 364 home ERA compared to a 211 road ERA, which I don't necessarily know how that necessarily adds up, but he's been able to do a good job of being able to get swings and misses. Meanwhile, for Joe Musgrove, he has been really the most consistent guy for the San Diego Padres all season long because this is a pitching staff that has completely pooped out on them. He has given up three runs or fewer in now all but one out of his last 10 starts, so he's been relatively reliable there. And at home, a 242 ERA compared to a 354 on the road, giving up eight home runs and 81 and two-thirds innings at home with opponents seeing a 205 off of him. Then you take a look at the San Diego Padres team, and you do have guys that are putting contact on the ball. I mean, this is a bunch of what you've got Jake Cronenworth, Austin Supernola, along with Eric Hosmer, all in between about a 266 to a 270. And then you have Manny Machado, who's been able to hit a 275, along with our main Fernando Tatis Jr. Tatis Jr. has been able to slug out 39 home runs. Machado, more like 24 of them. And these guys are relatively solid. But Adam Frazier, ever since coming over to this team, he has not been the same guy. He has been hitting right in the neighborhood about a 265 with the Padres. And this is a bunch that they're in the bottom two of the National League with regards to runs per game ever since the beginning of the month of August, which is an issue because a Padres bullpen that was number one in the big leagues with regards to ERA going into the month of August. It's failed them because they're needing to start Jake Arrieta and Vince Velasquez, guys that get destroyed and guys that aren't able to give you innings. So guys like Pierce Johnson, Craig Stam, and Emilio Pagan, these guys have been used for too many innings and they're starting to wear down. Meanwhile, the Giants, their bullpen has been able to maintain. Jarlon Garcia has been able to do a good job for you. Dominique Leon still has an ERA that's right around a 175. Zach Liddell has been able to do a good job. Sub-3 ERA there. And for the Giants, you've just got so much balance power on the team as 
Chris Bryant has really been able to carry the mail for the CME and Brandon Belt have right around 26 home runs apiece. And then you've got all these guys with between 13 and 18 home runs. As you've got Evan Longoria, Austin Dickerson, who's currently injured, Darren Ruff, Lamonte Wade, Wilmer Flores, Buster Posey all in that fold. And then Mike Ustremski, 23 bombs. Brandon Crawford, 21 home runs. And really everyone other than Ustremski all hitting really at least a 250 for this bunch. So that has been absolutely magnificent. So I take a look at the spot right now. If it is going to be Gosman against Joe Musgrove, we'll be setting the Giants right around a minus 133 favorite. And like I said, 7.5 or lower. We'll be taking a look at the over. 8 or higher, we'll be taking a look at the under. But subject to a little bit of change there. 963, 964 on the Bangor. The Kansas City Royals hit the road face off against the Cleveland Indians. Cal Quantrill is going to be going for the Windians. Meanwhile, Daniel Lynch is going to be on the bump for the Royals. The Royals are finding themselves as underdogs of anywhere between A plus 115 and A plus 120. Meanwhile, if you're looking to lay it with the Indians, it is anywhere between A minus 128 and A minus 135, with 9 being your total. Overs between minus 115 and minus 125, and the unders anywhere between minus 105 and plus 105. And for Daniel Lynch, he wound up getting destroyed in his last start after the team had been 7 and 2 in his previous nine starts. Going two innings, only wound up giving up three runs, only one of which was earned, but you doubt that he just was lacking command in that start. Meanwhile, you take a look at Cal Quantrill. This is a man that has been able to do an absolutely masterful job of keeping teams off the board as he has allowed zero or one earned runs in now four out of his last five starts, and he has given up three earned runs or fewer in all but one of his starts ever since the beginning of the month of July, so that is 14 starts in total, so he has actually been very good at a 227 home ERA so far this year, has yet to lose a decision at home. For some reason, the Indians are winning like only 35% of the games that he pitches in, but he's pitched really well, so it hasn't been on him with the Cleveland Indians. They did wind up having to use up their bullpen a little bit, really both of these teams did, because it was a little bit of a bullpen game for the Kansas City Royals in Game 2 of their double dip, and the same one for the Cleveland Indians, so that's a little bit of an issue, but when you take a look at the Indians, you do have Jose Ramirez along Framil Reyes throwing their mile straw as well. Only between about a 260 to a 270. And for Framil Reyes, he's been able to go deep 30 times. Jose Ramirez, he's got 35 bombs. You need a couple of these guys to be able to pick it up. Ernie Clement, Robbie Bradley, Yu Chang, all in between about a 215 to a 225. And then you got guys like Andres Jimenez, Roberto Perez, Owen Miller hitting below a 210. But you have been able to get a little bit of something on this lineup, even with a mid Rosario injured. And then you take a look at the Kansas City Royals and Salvador Perez just continues to be absolutely amazing. He gets home run number 46 in the doubleheader yesterday. He's got over 100 RBI. He, Whitmerfield, you're able to throw in there. Andrew Benatendi, even Kyle Isbell, Answer Alberto, all these guys sitting between about a 260 to a 280. And then you've got Nicky Lopez sitting just above a 300. So these guys have been relatively solid. And for the Royals, ever since he also break a top six bullpen ERA. Now, you wind up having to use up Joel Payampas as a starter yesterday. You've got guys like Josh Saymount, Domingo Tapia. They've been used quite a bit, but they've been able to hold up at the point of attack. I just think that Daniel Lynch, someone who wound up being able to win a bunch of starts, was a little bit of a paper tiger with that regard because he does have a 534 ERA overall, but after he wound up getting sent down to the minors after struggling for a few starts, has been a little bit better and has actually done his best work on the road with a 399 road ERA, giving up four home runs in 29 and a third innings, and opponents are a 306 off of him, so if you look at the peripheral numbers, he is doing for a little bit of regression, and I'm sort of banking on that a little bit because I did wind up saying the Indians is more around about a minus 160-ish favorite. I do think that it is going to be a little bit of tough sledding for these offenses. I think the bullpens are going to be a little bit more reliable as Emmanuel Class A has been able to do a good job all year long for the Cleveland Indians. I recognize that someone like a Trevor Steven has not necessarily been great, but I do think that Kyle Quantrill is going to be able 
probably eat quite a few innings. So this is a spot in which I'm going to be taking a look at the Cleveland Indians. Set this all at 8.4, so going to be diving under as well. 965-966 on the betting board. The Detroit Tigers are going to be playing us to the Chicago White Sox. Dallas Keuchel goes for the Sox. Meanwhile, Tyler Alexander is going to be on the bump for the Tigers. 9.5 is your total. Under is anywhere between minus 115 and minus 125. The over is anywhere between minus 105 and plus 105. If you're looking at the White Sox, going to be laying anywhere between minus 160 and minus 170 plus price with Detroit. Is anywhere between plus 146 and plus 150. And for Alexander, he hasn't necessarily been used in high doses and he has been moving quite a bit between being a starter and being a bullpen piece, but all in all, it's not been too bad. He is giving up 1.5 home runs per nine innings, but only 2.3 walks per nine, and he's been able to do a good job of just being able to limit damage in general, giving up three earned runs or fewer in really all but one of his appearances so far this year. Make it two, but still, he's been able to do a relatively solid job of just being able to give you a good honest performance night in and night out, and relatively equal home-to-road splits. At home, a 428 ERA, a 401 ERA on the road. Big thing is, he's only given up five home runs at home in 40 innings compared to 10 in 49 and a third innings away from home, so that is a little bit of something. But then, you take a look at Dallas Keuchel, and he has been absolutely terrible for the Chicago White Sox. His last start was actually not too bad, as he gives up two runs over the course of six innings against the LA Angels. But you just take a look at it, and the team is now... 2-8 and eight in his last 10 starts as he has given up at least 4 runs in all but 3 out of those starts. So this is a man that is certainly getting lit up at this point. And the big thing with him is that he's just giving up a whole bunch of home runs. This is a man that has now given up 10 home runs over the course of his last 10 starts. Not much of a swing and miss guy, so that's a little bit of an issue. His walks per nine rate, that's hovering right around about a 3.3 with the White Sox. You certainly do have a solid bullpen as you're able to trot out there someone like a... Ryan Tapera and Aaron Bummer to be able to give you some innings before you wind up getting to Craig Kimbrell along Liam Hendricks. And you take a look at this White Sox lineup, and it certainly is firing on all cylinders. Tim Anderson is sitting right around a 300. Luis Robert is sitting nearly a 350. And then all these guys hitting between about a 250 to a 265. And Yoel Moncada along with Eloy Jimenez. Jose Abreu, so they've been able to do a good job. Larry Garcia as well. And then you've been able to get quite a bit of something out of Yasmani Grandal ever since he came off the injury list. Going into yesterday, in his last 62 at bats, 8 home runs and hitting at 371. So he certainly has been able to supply for the team. Meanwhile, you take a look at the Detroit Tigers, and the home run ball has shrunk for quite a few of these guys. Jonathan Scopa, Robbie Grossman, Eric Haas, all between 20 and 23 home runs. They haven't necessarily been able to go deep a lot recently, but you saw Scopa hitting at 275 for the team. Jameer Candelario is in that fold as well. Got quite a few guys in between about a 250 to a 260. Akil Badu has been a little bit banged up. Justin Garneau, along with Miguel Cabrera, throwing their Isaac Paredes as well. Need a little bit more of something. Of something like it does Cameron, along with Willie Castro, but by and large, offense has been okay for the SEMA. For the Detroit Tigers, top 10 bullpen ERA ever since the All-Star break. Derek Cullen has been able to actually give you a couple innings, which is surprising, and then Michael Fulmer has been relatively solid on the bullpen for multiple innings. You are dealing with a couple of injuries, as Gregory Soto is currently on the injured list, but you get back Ian Kroll to be able to help with the loss of Jose Cicerno as well. And then you just take a look at this Detroit Tigers team in general. Ever since the All-Star break, they actually do have an above 500 record, which I think would surprise a lot of people and I just don't have any faith in Dallas Keuchel being this big of a favorite. I was willing to take the Tigers anything north of a plus 130, so I'm going to be taking the shot there in the way that he has been giving up the deep ball. I do think that we're going to get quite a few runs, but I think that Alexander is going to be able to hold up at the point of attack in a little bit more of a pitcher-friendly ballpark as well, so I set this all at 9.2, so going to be going under on 9.5, and, 
and I'm going to be taking the plus price here with the Tigers. 967, 968 is the New York Post play of the day. You got the Walker Texas Rangers sitting the road to face off against the New York Yankees. Jordan Montgomery is going to be going for the Yankees. Dane Ginner Dunning is going to be on the bump for the Rangers. 8.5 is your total. The under is anywhere between minus 105 and minus 120. The over is anywhere between even a minus 115. If you're looking at the Rangers, big plus price to be at. Anywhere between a plus 219 and a plus 235. Meanwhile, if you're looking to lay it with New York, that is anywhere between minus 243 and minus 280. And if you're looking at the run line of this spot, you're going to be finding the Yankees anywhere between about a minus 123 to a minus 135. And this is a situation which with the Rangers, I was willing to take them as long as I was able to get $2 or greater, so going to be taking a shot there, but the real New York Post play of the day is going to be the over, because you take a look at Jordan Montgomery, and he's got right around a 3-6 ERA in his last 10 starts at home. He hasn't necessarily been bad, but he also hasn't necessarily been too terrific. And then you take a look at the splits of Mr. Dane Gitter Dunning, and well, he is someone that has been a whole heck of a lot better in Arlington than he's been on the road. 267 home ERA, 665 road ERA, and you take a look at it, he's given up seven home runs and 43 in the third innings away from Arlington. Opponents staring at 317 off of him, so that's a little bit of an issue. You've got a New York Yankees team that seems to be coming into their own with their offense as well. They were able to put up a bunch of runs yesterday. You've got a trio of guys, Giancarlo San, Joey Gallo, Aaron Judge, all that have been able to give you at least 30 home runs. Got a couple guys that they do need to work on their batting average. Mr. Gallo, Gary Sanchez, Kyle Gashioka, Brett Gardner, Rude and Odor. They didn't get 220 or lower, but you also have Glaber Torres, Gio Urshela, both in between about a 250 to a 260. DJ LeMayu hitting more like a 270 and Anthony Rizzo hasn't necessarily done a ton for this team but you know that he's been a good presence for them meanwhile the Texas Rangers they're getting a couple guys healthy as you've got back now Andy Ibanez along with Willie Calhoun a pair of guys in between about a 252 and 265 Nick Solak been able to give you a little bit of something. DJ turned it up. Peters only in right around 200, but has been able to give this team nine home runs over the last 35 days. Isaiah Kinnear-Falefa is in at 270. And going into this trip to New York, this is a Texas Rangers bunch that had scored at least four runs in five out of their last six road games, which is big because going into this series, they were the team with the fewest runs per game of any team since the All-Star break in all of baseball. And this is a bullpen of the Texas Rangers that you've got a couple guys doing an okay job for you. As Spencer Penn's been able to give you a couple innings, you've had a Coming out of the bullpen. Some very good performances recently out of Dennis Santana, though he has been shaky for the year with a 474 ERA. Jarrell Cotton has been better recently, but I saw my question marks there. And then you take a look at the New York Yankees, and they've been a very average to below average bullpen over the last three days as well. You've got Jonathan the Wise good currently on the injured list. Rolls Shaman since mid June has right around a 6 ERA. Michael King has been able to give you some length, which is nice. Wandy Peralta, Joey Rodriguez, they've been able to give you a tad bit of something. And what Luis Severino gives you, it's anyone's guess at this point, but I did take a look at this spot. I do think that both of these starters are going to give up some runs, and both of these bullpens seem a little bit leaky. I was willing to set this total more around a 9.5, so New York Post of the day is going to be the over. Also going to take the plus price here with the Rangers. 969-970 on the betting board. The Toronto Blue Jays hit the road to face off against the Tampa Bay Rays. Drew Rasmussen is going to be going for the Rays. Alec Manoa is going to be going for the Jays. The Jays are finding themselves as very slight underdogs of anywhere between even money and plus 105 with the race laying anywhere between minus 110 and minus 120. Eight is your total. Under is anywhere between minus 115 and minus 120. The over is anywhere between even and minus 105. And for Mr. Manoa, Manoa what? He has been relatively good, but not as good as Drew Rasmussen. Rasmussen 
has now been able to make six starts for the Tampa Bay Rays really over the last month, month and a half or so, and he has been absolutely magnificent, giving up zero or one runs in every one of them. It has been amazing to watch him so far this year. He has done a great job of being able to limit the deep ball. Two home runs given up in 49 innings. His walks per nine rate, that over is right around 2.3. Meanwhile, you take a look at Manoa, right around one home run per nine innings, surrendered along three walks, so he's been able to do a good job there, but with Manoa, hasn't necessarily been the same pitcher on the road. 434 road ERA, 247 home ERA, and nine road starts. He's given up seven home runs in 45 and two-thirds innings, and he's going up against a team the Bay Rays team that is right there with the Houston Astros as the top scoring offense at all of baseball. Tree of guys with at least 30 home runs for the team in Nelson Cruz, Brandon Lau, and Mike Zanino. You've also got Austin Meadows who's been able to supply 25 bombs. He's got 100 RBI for the year. Then you've got Randy Orozarena along Joey Wendell, both hitting between about a 265 to a 270 now. You do have Juan Franco out of the fold. He had that ridiculous on-base streak before going on the injured list, so that hurts to see him a little bit, but you notice it with so many of these guys. Even someone like Taylor Walls, who's only in right around 210, he's got a 315 on-base. G-Man Choi along the Andy Diaz. Both have north of a 350 on-base, despite neither of those guys hitting above a 260. Then you take a look at the Toronto Blue Jays, they do have a lot of firepower with the team. Teoscar Hernandez and Boba Shett, both hitting between about a 290 to a 305 for Hernandez, a... Grand total of 29 home runs with going deep yesterday. 26 for Mr. Bichette. You've got George Springer, who's been struggling a little bit since coming off the injured list, but certainly is able to supply the boom. Marcus Simeon and Vlad Guerrero Jr. North of 40 bombs apiece, including Vlad Guerrero Jr. at 46. So you've got a lot there. But for the Tampa Bay Rays, bullpen is a little bit more shaky as well. With the Rays, they now have back Nick Anderson. You've been able to get some good performances out of guys like Andrew Kittredge, J.P. Fireeyes, and it's fresh off the injured list as well. Then you take a look at the Blue Jays, and ever since coming off the injured list, Julian Merriweather hasn't necessarily been great. Jordan Romano's giving you some good innings, but Taylor Sacito, he's got his question marks as well. So I do take a look at this spot. Got a pair of young pitchers, and I've got a little bit more faith here in Drew Rasmussen. As a result, set the Rays is more like a minus 135 favorite, so certainly willing to take that. Set the solid at 8.3 as well. So going over along the race. 971-972 on the begging board. The Houston Astros hit the road face off against the LA Angels. There was a little bit of question mark as to who the Astros would be going with, but it's going to be Jose Urquidy for them. Meanwhile, Packy Naughton is going to be on the bump for the Angels with Otakiti being a little bit of a late decision. Currently have no numbers up on this game, but at the book of Greg Peterson, the Astros, our minus 184 favorite, will be willing to lay up to about a minus 125-ish on the run line. Set this all on 9.2, so a 9 or lower going to be taking a look at the over, 9.5 or higher to the under, and you take a look at the LA Angels, and this has been a ghastly bad offense. They are scoring the fewest runs per game of any team out there in the month of September, and ever since the All-Star break, they've had the second worst offense in all of baseball, so that is something that is very concerning if you are a fan of the Angels, and you just take a look at this Houston Astros lineup, and it is the complete opposite. As you got Jordan Alvarez, Jose Altuve, Kyle Tucker, Carlos Correa, all hitting at least a 275 with 24-plus home runs. Alex Bregman is hitting nearly a 300. Michael Bradley's been out with injury, but even his replacement has been very good as Bradley's hitting about a 315. Jose Siri going into yesterday was hitting a 450 with three home runs and 20 at-bats. Chaz McCormick, 13 bombs at about 250 ABs. He's hitting right around 250. And then you look at the Angels and Joey Otani, ever since the beginning of, like, I would say the month of August, has been hitting right around the Mendoza line. 
He, along with Brandon Marsh, both thinking about a 252 to a 260 overall for the season. David Fletcher, Phil Gosselin, Jared Walsh, lying between about a 265 to about a 275-ish, but for Fletcher, hitting right around 240 ever since the beginning of the month of August. Jared Walsh, ever since the All-Star break, just five home runs for the team, and then you got an Angels bunch of which the bullpen has not necessarily been great. Jimmy Ergo has been able to give you a couple innings recently, but now you're relying upon guys like Jose Marte, Oliver Ortega, Austin Warren, guys like this, to be able to give you innings. That's not a place where you want to be. And then you take a look at Mr. Naughton, and he was able to deliver five scoreless innings against the San Diego Padres about a week and a half ago. Then you take a look at his last start, and wasn't so great against the White Sox, giving up four runs in two and two-thirds innings. The team wound up getting clobbered, and you take a look at the five games in which he has pitched in. The team is one and four whenever Pecky Naughton pitches in a game. And then you take a look at Jose Urquidy, and the home and road splits are there with him. At home, he's got a strikeout-to-walk rate of nearly 10 for his career. Meanwhile, on the road, it's closer to about a 2-5-ish, but still. On the road, 355 ERA compared to a 315 home ERA so far this year. He's given up six home runs in both locations, and has actually pitched a couple more innings on the road. Opponents are a 2 22 off of him when he's away from Houston. And you take a look at the Astros bullpen. Kendall Graveman has been able to do a good job for this team. I like what I'm getting out of Yimi Garcia as well. And then you take a look at some of the other guys like a Brooks Raley. Not necessarily great for the team, but at the same time, Ryan Presley has right around a 2 ERA for the team as well. So in this spot, I am setting the Astros as a minus 184 favorite with right around a minus 123 on that run and half run line. And this is a spot in which a 9 or lower I'd be taking a little bit over 9.5 higher to the under. 973, 974 on the bang board. The Oakland A's are going to be playing us to the Seattle Mariners. Marco Gonzalez could be going for the M's. Meanwhile, Paul Blackburn is going to be going for the A's. A's are finding themselves in between minus 115 and minus 125 favorites. Meanwhile, with the Mariners, you're going to be getting them between plus 105 and plus 110. 8.5 is your total. Unders anywhere between minus 110 and minus 120. The overs anywhere between even and minus 110. With the Mariners, I was willing to take them as long as I was able to get at least a plus 103 price. I wound up saying this as a relative pick'em game, and good gosh, we have gotten there on them. As you take a look at this Oakland A's team, and it certainly has been a little bit of a winding road for Paul Blackburn, but you take a look at it ever since the beginning of the 2018 campaign. This is someone with north of a 6 ERA. He's got a strikeouts per 9 rate that hovers right around a 5.5 to a 6-ish, so hasn't necessarily been great there. Now, I will say, this year he's been a little bit better. His ERA is sub-5, which that's not necessarily saying a whole heck of a lot, but been able to do a little bit better job, but has given up 5 home runs over the course of 27 and 3rd innings. Then you take a look at Mr. Marco Gonzalez. He has given up the deep ball, giving up a home runs per 9 rate of right around 2, but at the same time, he has given up 3 earned runs or fewer, and now 13 out of his last 15 starts, so he's been highly reliable with that regard as someone that has been able to lessen the walks as well. This is a man that has now given up 10 walks over the course of his last 9 starts, so he's been able to rein it in there. He's been a little bit worse on the road than at home. 380 home ERA, 439 road ERA, but at the same time, he's given up nearly half the amount of home runs as well. 17 home runs given up in 71 innings at home. 9 bombs in 53 and a third innings on the road, and he's backed up by a really good bullpen as you've got Casey Sadler with right around a 1-ish ERA. Paul Seawalt has begun to regress a little bit, but Drew's second rider, he's got right around 225-ish ERA. You've even been able to look to Sean Doolittle recently for the team, and then for the Oakland A's. This bullpen has become highly unreliable over the last three days in the bottom five of the big leagues. Andrew Chafin, Jake Diekman, these guys have been relatively solid recently, but Sergio Romo has turned into Sergio Romo. Lou Trevino going into yesterday over the last three days. 
He had an ERA of a 12-19. I mean, it is just absolutely terrible what we're seeing from there. Sam Mall is someone that's being looked at for innings. And then you take a look at the Seattle Mariners. And certainly the batting average is out there for a lot of these guys. But you've got a couple guys doing a solid job for you as you've been able to have Abraham Toro hit right around 275 ever since that's coming over from the Houston Astros. J.P. Crawford is hitting a 265 tie France, hitting just below a 3 And then Mitch Anniger along with Kyle Seeger. Both 34 home runs so far this year. Anniger is hitting a 250, but you've got Kyle Seeger, Dylan more along with Jorge Mamalois, Tom Murphy, Jared Kelnick. You're able to throw in there other guys like a Shed Long hitting a 215 or lower for this bunch. And then you take a look at the Oakland A's and got a lot of guys with at least a 350 on base for you. Josh Harrison, Starling Marte of the Marte Parte, Mark Canna. You're able to throw in there. Matt Olson as well. And for Olson, he's been carrying the mail. 36 home runs so far this year. And for Matt Chapman, his addition to the lineup has been big for this team, bringing him back off the injured list. Because ever since the beginning of the month of August, he's got 12 home runs and right around 130 or so at best. Wound up having a really bad start to the year. But since the beginning of the of August, right around a 365-ish on base. So, that has been good for the team, but at the same time, I take a look at this game, I think that the Mariners should be in a relative pick So, being able to get them at a plus price is something that appeals to me, and I do think that both of these teams are going to be able to give you right around 4-5 to five runs. So, this is the spot in which I set the total at 9.1, so going to be going over along with the Seattle Mariners. 975-976 is a game that is currently off the board entirely between the Baltimore Orioles, who hit the road to face off against the Philadelphia Phillies, Right now, ESPN says that Chris Ellis is going to be getting the start for the Baltimore Orioles, and this is pretty much a designated bullpen spot for the Philadelphia Phillies. They've been using this spot in the rotation out of the bullpen pretty much for the last few weeks, and this is a spot in which, if you do wind up getting bullpen game against Chris Ellis, I'd be setting the Orioles as right around a plus 180 underdog, and I'd be making this total an 8.5. So, an 8.5 or lower, I'd be taking a look at the over 9 or higher. I'd be taking a look at the under, and for the Philadelphia Phillies, you certainly do have a bullpen that has been a tad bit better recently and you've got to give the Philadelphia Phillies some credit. This is a team that they just play so much better at home than they do on the road, especially when it comes to pitching. I have no idea what it is, but a lot of the guys on this team have been significantly better at home than on the road. More so these starting pitchers, but even someone like uh, Ramon Rosso is someone who on the road has nearly a 9 ERA. That's more like a 4 at home. Sam Coonrod has right around a 4 ERA at home. Archie Bradley, more like a 3-7. And for Bradley, a lot of the year has actually been relatively solved from Recently, things have been rough, but you take a look at Chris Ellis and the Baltimore Orioles are 4-1 and one in his last five starts. He's given up three runs or fewer in every one of them. He has given up three home runs over the course of 26 and a third inning so far this year, but by and large, he's been able to give this team a little bit of something, but then you look at this Orioles bullpen and Cole Solzer is really the only guy that's been able to give you some good innings. Good news is John Means was able to lend a good start, so it's not necessarily overly taxed, but we've seen some of these guys like a Connor Green with north of a 5 ERA. Tanner Scott's been able to give you a little bit of something, but then you take a look at Fernando Abad, Dustin Knight, and you have no faith in any of these guys. But then you take a look at the lineup, and you've got Richie Martin, Trey Boom Boom, Mancini, Austin the Sayers Kid, Anthony Santander, Pedro Severino. All these guys hitting between about a 240 to a 260 with Hayes along with Mancini. Both of these guys between 20 and 22 home runs. Cedric Mullins and Ryan Mountcastle, both between 29 and 31 home runs apiece for Mountcastle. He's hitting about a 260. Mullins has been able to hit right around a 300. But then you've got Ryan McKenna, Pat Valleca, Austin Wins, Kelvin Gutierrez, lots of guys 
that are hitting a sub-215 for this team. And then with Philadelphia Phillies, Bryce Harper is a man possessed right now. 17 home runs ever since the beginning of the month of August, and he's hitting right around a 315 with a 430 on base. That is what I would call good. Andrew McCutcheon only hitting about a 220, but 24 home runs. He's got an on base right around a 332. Odu Barrera along Freddie Galvis earning between about a 250 to a 255. Gene Segura is hitting a 300 for this bunch, so you've had a little bit of something there. So this is a situation which I wound up saying the Philadelphia Phillies, like I said, right around a minus 180-ish favorite because you take a look at them at home. They are right around 42 and 32. Meanwhile, on the road, they are quite a few games below 500, so they perform their best in Philadelphia. And like I said, 8.5 or lower, I'm going to be taking a look at the over, 9 or higher to the under. 977, 978 on the main board. The New York Metropolitans hit the road to face off against the Boston Red Sox as Eduardo Rodriguez is going to be going for the Sox. Meanwhile, Marcus Stroman is going to be on the ball for the Mets. Throw on this game is 9.5. Unders anywhere between minus 110 and minus 120. Overs between even and minus 110. If you're looking at the Sox, it is anywhere between minus 141, even seeing as low as minus 138 to a minus 155. Meanwhile, your plus price with the Mets is anywhere between plus 128 and a plus 140. And for Marcus Stroman, he's actually been able to do some really good work on the road. And for Eduardo Rodriguez, he has been a little bit all over the place so far this year. With Stroman, certainly deserves better than a 9 12 record with a 288 ERA overall. And on the road, that actually shrinks to a 281. He's given up 10 home runs and 96 innings on the road compared to just 4 and 73 at home. But put on starting a 221 off of him. The command has been there. His overall walks per nine rate that is hovering right around about a 2-2. Meanwhile, you take a look at Mr. Rodriguez and he's got right around a 5-ish ERA. He has been able to do a better job recently as he has given up three earned runs or fewer in something like seven out of his last nine starts. But at the same time, it certainly has been rough whenever he's given up more than that as he has also given up five plus runs in three out of his last nine starts. So you've got a little bit of this and that going on and you take a look at Mr. Rodriguez and he's got a 632 home ERA in 11 starts at home. He's given up eight bombs over the course of 52 and two-thirds innings and opponents starting at 278 off of him. He is backed up by a lineup that has been able to do a very good job as you've got a Boston Red Sox team that has a whole bunch of guys that have been able to match so far this year. Hunter Renfro, J.D. Martinez, Bobby Dolbeck, Xander Bogarts, along Kyle Schwarber. All between 22 and 29 home runs. And then you got Rafael Devers, 34 bombs, 105 RBI. He's hitting at 275. With Renfro, you're able to throw in there. Kike Hernandez, Christian Vasquez, all these guys are in between about a 250 to a 265. Schwarber in there as well. And Bobby Dahlbeck. How about what this guy's been able to do over the last 30 days? In the last 30 days, going into this game, 9 home runs and 75 at-bats, and he's hitting a 320. So, that has been huge for this team. And then you take a look at the flip side for the New York Mets. And you got two guys that are doing a good job of being able to take a yard. Javi Baez along Pete Alonso. Both of these guys have been able to give you between 30 and 33 home runs. Both of these guys hitting in the neighborhood of about 8-260. And been able to get a little bit of something recently out of Mr. Jonathan VR. He, Jeff McNeil, are both hitting between about a 252 to a 254. And for VR, 18 home runs ever since the beginning of the month of August. Right around a 355-ish on base. You've been able to have the catcher spot give you a little bit of something. But James McCann and Thomas Hito, both hitting between about a 232 to a 235 is not ideal. And then Michael Conforto, Kevin Pillar. Francisco Lindor. All in between a 223 and a 229 is an issue, but you know it's not an issue. The bullpen of the Mets. You never thought you'd be saying this about three years ago, but I mean, this team has been relatively solid there. Edwin Diaz and Long Church Familia haven't necessarily been as good in the second half, but Aaron Loop has a sub-1-5 ERA. Trevor May, he's had his ups and his downs, but he saw his right around a 3-7-ish ERA over the last three days. This is someone who's got a 2-38 ERA. South Lugo has come along for the ride as well. Being at a Boston Red Sox team that they've been a little bit more shaky out of the bullpen recently, but they seem to be reining it back in with Matt Barnes and Lockheed Ocasio-Salamona being off the injured list. Garrett Woodlock all year long has been a good two-inning guy. He has been able to 
give you right around a 2 ERA, but it is looking like he might wind up going on the injured list, so that is something that you do want to note with this Boston Red Sox team, because it is a bullpen that they really do need them, and this is a spot in which, with the New York Mets, I was willing to take them, as long as I was getting a plus 140 or greater, and we have just barely gotten there. I also wound up saying the total at a 9.1, so I'm going to be diving under with the way that Stroman has been performing on the road, and I'm going to be taking that plus price with the Mets, and we wrap things up with 979, on the betting board. As we've got the Minnesota Twins in the road face off against the Chicago Cubs, Alec Mills is going to be going for the Cubs. Griffin Jacks is going to be going for the Twins. Twins find themselves as a slight underdog to right around a minus 105-ish, which is typically what you're going to find in a pick'em game. They're anywhere between minus 105 to a plus 103. Meanwhile, the Cubs are very small favorites of anywhere between minus 110 to a minus 115. Only Circa currently has a total listed. That is at 8 under is minus 115 and the over is minus 105. A lot of books wind up waiting until the aim to post a total because of the wind situation. Right now, I'm seeing winds blowing in right around like 10 to 12 miles per hour, so I want up saying this sold at an 8.1, so an 8 or lower like we're seeing at Circa, I'd be taking a look at the over 8.5 or higher. I would be taking a look at the under. Big thing is, with Griffin Jacks, he is getting just all jacked up. I don't think that wind is going to be able to help him out with this, because 19 home runs given up in 69 innings is just a complete and utter calamity. I mean, my goodness. And on the road, a 7.16 ERA, 6.19 at home. On the road, nine bombs given up in 32 and two-thirds innings. Bonner's earning a 2.52 off of him, and his walks per nine rate on the road, hovering right around about a 4.3. Meanwhile, you take a look at Alec Mills, and he's been able to do a relatively solid job at Wrigley Field so far this year. 4.41 home ERA, 4.58 road ERA. Has given up eight home runs in 51 innings himself, and opponents earning a 2.93 off of him. Then you take a look at both of these teams, and both of these offenses aren't necessarily great, but at the same time, they're not necessarily terrible. Ode Palunco and Miguel Sano. A combined 60 home runs out of both of these guys. Josh Allison has been able to go deep 24 times. He's got a batting average right around 245, but also a 345 on base. Luis Arias is hitting just below 300. Ever since coming off the injured list, Brian Irvin Buxton hitting right around the Mendoza line of a 200, which is a little bit of an issue. And then you just take a look at all these guys hitting a 225 or lower, and it's bad. Brent Rooker. Sino, I mentioned a little bit earlier though, is on base right around a 340 ever since the beginning of the month of July, but he's in there as well. And Dalton Simmons, Max Kepler, Ryan Jeffers, J.K., Ben Rothfit. These guys just have not been able to hit for you. And then you take a look at the Chicago Cubs and Frank Schwindel has been absolutely amazing for them. How about him now hitting at 340 with a 382 on base? 14 home runs doesn't necessarily sound so significant, but 9 home runs in the last 30 days for this team. Yeah, that's good. Patrick Wisdom is giving you a home run every about 11 or so at bats. He's got 27 overall this year, hitting about a 240. Nico Horner is back. He's hitting above a 300. You've got Rafael Ortega who's hitting at 275. Matt Duffy's hitting at 265. So that's been good. Now you take a look at the bullpen and it is a little bit rough, but I will say Cody Hoyer, ever since coming over from the Chicago White Sox, he's actually been able to do a good job for the team. And it comes uniform. He's got a buck 40 ERA. So, got a little bit of something to build off of there. Adam Morgan is right around 3-2 ERA. Now, when you wind up getting into guys like Michael Rucker, Manuel Rodriguez, Rowan Wick, these guys are not necessarily great. And then you take a look at the Minnesota Twins and Alex Calme has been a big giant waste of money. Ode Okala has an ERA that's hovering right around 5. Kyle Bearclaw, he's got an ERA that's hovering right around 6. Danny Colombe, Luke Farrell, Ralph Garza have been able to give you a little bit of something, but you got a not necessarily a great bullpen in this spot. So in eight, like we're seeing currently at Circa, I will be taking a look at the over despite winds blowing badly in. And with the Cubs, one will lay up to about a minus 125 in this spot. So looking Cubs, I'm looking at an over of eight. And that will wrap things up on the Baseball Betting Podcast for this most wonderful Tuesday. A big thanks to our good friend, Turkey Waters Nation, for joining me in the second segment. If you like what you're hearing from this fine podcast, the Baseball Betting Podcast with Greg Peterson, 
you're able to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, and TuneIn. If you've got a question, comment, segment idea, whatever you for this podcast, got one of two ways we offer those in. First one is my Twitter timeline at GUnit underscore D1. Keep in mind, letters EM. Name me does not matter, size per usual. Please do send these into the timeline. Other ways, find an Apple Podcast review. If you rate this podcast five stars, it is very much appreciated. And then from there, you're able to fire whatever you'd like to hear on this podcast. Find that five-star review. I'll be coming at you guys every single day throughout the baseball season, which means coming at you once again tomorrow. Thank you so much for tuning in. 